I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, I don't think we have uh, we have missed a show. Like we've we've been pretty consistent every PGA Tour event all year ever since we started. Uh, have we missed one? No, I've never missed a show, and I think that's pretty impressive considering the amount of things that both of us have on our plate right now, and even <laughs> you know in our pre pre show little meeting there, just both of us typing away trying to get some stuff done. <laughs> yeah. So we. Uh, uh, yeah, we we don't we don't miss them, and, and like you say, you're you're typing away actually constructively doing work, and I was actually just typing away tweeting about how Nottingham Forest are shit at football, um, which for most of our listeners won't really translate very well, um, but um, for the ones that are from England, you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, it's probably going to be five 0 by the time I finish this rant. So uh, yes, it's it's disappointing in that regard. But going back to the Sanderson Farms, Matt, pretty nailed on. Like we we were you know really strong on that um, you know Bradley could have hung around for a little bit longer uh, Grillo could have you know not actually physically shit himself uh, on the golf course yesterday and that would have been nice but you know we said both of us that we really thought Sepstracker's form uh, should be better at that golf course um, people were going to be put off by by the missed cuts and uh, there he was in the playoff yeah absolutely and I think it may four stronger plays on here i said start at the top with with bradley and grillo skip the top which i think would have worked out really well they both tied for fifth which is enough considering that a, a cheaper guy won um we both like sep and then you know i was really high in burmeister too we, we finished in the in the top yeah. five so player pool was uh completely spot on didn't have hughes but hey you can't have them all right and i think i think with a player like um yeah, sure. I didn't even know that Bradley finished that high up. For some reason, I thought he finished like twentieth or something. Um, he backdoored it, yeah. Yeah, he did go backdoor. It, to me, it was an event where Hughes obviously just showed his little magic beans, right? That you just you just can't get away from. Um, it was so funny. Like, I've just been having a rant on on the betting podcast because Sky Sports Golf, uh, some of their commentating is uh, particularly choice. And they were saying earlier in the Dunhill links how Ryan Fox was playing with a chip on his shoulder because he missed the, uh, the President's Cup, and that kind of had some merit. And then they tried to say the same about Mackenzie Hughes uh, later on in the day, and I said, unless he qualified with three wins uh, on the points list, Mackenzie Hughes is never going to play uh, on that President's Cup team um, mm, unless, no. they, unless they ban everyone. So, um, you know, that, that was a strange comment. But... I think Sepp Stracker's putting himself into into consideration for for the European Ryder Cup team uh, next year if he if he carries on playing the way he is. Like he, he seems to have a little bit about him now uh, in contention. Uh, we saw uh, a, a wild return to form from Garrick Higo, uh, who just has the ability to do that at any given time. Dean Burmey said, like you said, very very impressive has been since he came on the uh, the Corn Ferry in the PJ Tour. Um, so that's a great sign. Interesting to see how he goes this week. And there was a couple of stories like Dietrich did what I thought Dietrich would probably do. I thought he was good enough to, to get up there and contend, but obviously didn't expect him to win, and and he didn't. Who, was it, who were the two that you asked me about? You asked me about... It was Dietrich Burmester. and Burmester. It was Dietrich and Burmester. So um, I think I kind of said to both of them that like I didn't really see much chance of winning. I think I may have given the edge even to Dietrich, which ultimately didn't work out in the way. But, you know, it's. I think it was kind of fairly predictable in the end. Like, especially from, from what we kind of said in, in advance. Like, Nick Taylor was a little bit disappointed for me in the end, but he looked pretty good for, for the most part. So, yeah, I liked it. Dirk McGirt was up there. We always like to see that after uh, some of our Great. comments. Henrik Norlander kept his uh, strong form up as well. So maybe I guess Sam Burns was a bit of a surprise finishing 30th, but again, President's Cup hangover, not, not too shocking. We both said to fade him, so mm. that worked out. Yeah, no, exactly that. So let's go into um, this week's pricing. So we have three players above 10K, which is a bit weird, actually, to see. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, 11-1. Max Homer, 10-6. Sungjae Im, 10-4. Are you able to do what you did last week and full fade this top? No, no. I find this week to be completely different than last week and yeah. that the guys at the top are there for a reason and they're going to be very tough to beat, which makes betting this event somewhat difficult too because the guys at the top not only are playing the best um but they also have the best course fit and they both have the both have one on this course so um not including homa and those two i'm, I'm talking about yeah. cantley and yeah. sungjay but 
those yeah they're going to be tough to fade also, I think with Homer, right, like I think he's missed his last four cuts here, but actually finished like 33rd or something on debut, right? And I do think that he can play well at this golf course. I think now that he's the player that he has been this season, everything kind of points to him doing well. One correlation I seem to have found during some research um, today, and I don't know that there's potential this is just the best players in this field on any given season would be playing at the Memorial and playing well. But you look, and Patrick Cantlay's won the Memorial multiple times and you know won this event once and should have won it multiple times. Bryson DeChambeau's won both events. Um, Kevin Nahr's been a runner-up um, at the Memorial, um, you know, losing in the playoff to Cantlay. And, yeah, I just I just think that Matt Kuchar's a winner in a runner-up Memorial, runner-up here. I, I do think there's something about that Memorial that may be worth uh, investigating. Yeah, I agree. I actually was planning on mentioning that when we got to, to Matt Kuchar, who I like <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, I think there, there could be something to it. Um, you know, I'm uh, not exactly sure why, but... I don't, so I don't think there's anything to do with the actual course itself. I think it's just that you have to be on top of your game with T-Screen on both courses. So the difference being that at Memorial, you can't get away from it because it's a really tough golf course, so you have to be good T-Screen. But... With this, you have to be good tee screen because there's a sheer amount of birdies you have to make. Like, mm-hmm. it's different reasons as to why you have to do it, but ultimately the same result. You just have to be good tee screen, right? When you look, um, Max Homer fifth and sixth the last two years at the Memorial. Uh, Aaron Wise, another person that's going to be popular uh, this week, second and ninth at the Memorial, um, and both of them kind of fit in well. So I guess we'll kind of include Aaron Wise in this little group here as well. Do you think there's one that you'll ultimately fade out of those four, like a hard fade on them? Homer for me, um, I'm not incredibly interested in him. I think that'll he'll probably be the least popular of the four, which is a reason maybe to go on to him. But um, I just don't think he can keep it up, and I don't think I could click on his name. I don't know why he's more expensive than Sungjae I, I, at this course. Um, I know he's coming off a win, but I think a lot of that had to do with the field, and that was a great course for him as well. Um, yeah. I just can't click him over Cantley and Sungjae. I just can't. No, I thought I did think it was weird that he was, you know, high. We've got a quick glance here at the price before coming on. Like, it is strange that he's higher than him. It's not strange that he's as high as he is because he's obviously good enough and playing well enough. Um, he, he shouldn't really have won the Fortinet, right? Like, I think that's fair enough to say. Like, Danny Willett should have had that in the bag. Um, it just depends how he reacts from that Presence Cup experience. Like, he looks to me like one of those people that, like, that's a peak for him. And. You worry about players like, that. like, you know, is this a peak year for him? Is he ever going to be able to recreate it, etc., etc.? And I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Like, I think when you look back at his college career, his expectations before coming on the PJ Tour, he was very, very good, a proper gamer, could, you know, potentially go on to be a major champion, that sort of thing, and then just had a really tough go at it when he first got here. So it ultimately depends what way his career goes now. I think he took a while to shake that kind of humorous person versus talented golfer thing, and I think he's now doing that. So I don't know. I mean, I just can't. I can't advocate leaving Cantley, Homer, Im, or Wise out. Um, if Wise got incredibly popular, I'll just go against it because I think you can do other things. But yeah, I think I think if anyone said to me, oh, "Are you going to go against any of the one of them?" I don't think so. I think you've just got to mix and match your lineups and include them. Yeah, I'll go against Wise, uh, Wise too. Um, I just never been a huge, huge Wise guy, and a lot of, a lot of people are, and for good yeah. reason. But for me, I'm just going. I would just play Cantlay and Sungjae in those two lineups. I just think they're the safest. They're the best players in the field. Um, and then you know I'm playing a lot of another guy, some other guys in this lower range too. So I'd probably be pairing one of Cantlay and M with some uh, guys in the nines. So let's look at the rest of the nines. And we've got Tom Kim at nine seven, Taylor Montgomery at nine five, Emiliano Grillo at nine three. Cameron Davis at 9-2, Alex Noren at 9-1, Tom Hoagie at 9. Um, Tom Kim. What do we what do we do about Tom Kim? I'm betting Tom Kim. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm playing him too. You know, the, And the big reason why, and a lot of people are going to say it's like prisoner of the moment with the whole President's Cup thing. And I think for a lot of people that probably is the case. But I had this marked off on the calendar for Tom Kim for a while just because of, I think, the skill set that he has fits this um, the course so well. I mean, the guys who have won here before were guys who hit the fairway and can get a hot putter. We saw Cantley do it. We saw Bryson do it. And this Bryson wasn't the new Bryson. This was the old Bryson who was really accurate off the tee, really good putter. Uh, Kevin, nah. Martin Laird, really um, accurate off the tee. 
and I think that's a big a big thing here. I think you need to hit the ball in the fairway in order to get on the the right level of these greens and um and I think he hits he hits fairways better than anybody. I mean he's second in the last twenty four rounds in, in um in fairways gained. He's first in birdie or better, he's first in approach. I mean that's all you really need to see. I don't love that he's coming off that president's cup. I would prefer he wasn't. But he just fits too well for me to ignore. I think also it's been a couple of weeks of him not being at the president's cup. I think it's I think also he's just so young, like that it just doesn't matter. Like you know, when like young people just kind of like you think. I think it's in many like loads of sports, you just don't think a, a young rookie quarterback can last you know five or six you know weeks without mistakes and that sort of stuff, and they do. And it's you know I, I think he can. So I, I like Tom Kim a lot. I like the fact that he shot that 61 in the final round to win the Wyndham. Like you look at his kind of best performances: 20 under at the Wyndham, 18 under at the Rocket Mortgage, the 3M obviously isn't low scoring like that but can be and then you look at Byron Nelson 18 under was only good enough to finish 17th like seems to be his MO right like that just seems to be what he does um, whether he can adapt and, and play higher scoring events I think he can like he finished 13th for the Phillips and Jude stuff like that but ultimately I think his low scoring sort of like the Sungjae in mould I don't want to sort of pair them together in a lazy way but I don't think there's too much difference I think they're pretty much the same player, and I had nothing to do with them both being, you know, South Korean. I just think, you know, prototype skill set wise, they're the same guy. Yeah, and they're both just they'll be both young when they come on the tour, right? And it's interesting, like I sort of just said in the best show, that like Tom Kim's done it without this kind of apprenticeship of the Corn Ferry Tour. Like he hasn't had that kind of schooling, if you like. Like he's taken the invites and done well with them. Um, I seem to remember going back to like the Saudi International, like February and wondering whether he was a good better like 66 to 1 and in hindsight that was a fantastic bet no matter how he finished in the end like that was you know we knew that he could be a level above so uh plenty of good things to say about tom kim uh will be popular i, I would have thought but um you know i think you just have to swallow some of the chalk at the top and and kind of just make your lineups different at the bottom yeah i think so and then speaking of that kind of another week last week two weeks in a row and i was kind of beating this drum for you know ever since the swing season began no corn fairy guys, graduates, um, really competing up there. You can say Burmese if you want, but I don't consider him that at all. I consider him a DP World Tour player. Yeah, no, he's he's not a corn fairy guy. I mean, Taylor Montgomery, I guess, has been sure, sure. On the, he hasn't really contended though. No, he hasn't. But that that's the thing with. So this was my one thing I was about to say to Taylor Montgomery. Like, you're gonna look at it, and he's what like ninth and third in his two events so far, and he's not finished outside the top ten in six straight start of going back to the corn fairy like. That's going to catch people's eyes. But he shot a final round 64 out of 4 to net when he was 37th after the 54-hole stage. And then last week he was 31st at halfway and then shot 67-69 to finish 9th. So he hasn't been, like you say, in that contention. I do, I do, I still think there's plenty of upside. I do still believe in him. Um, but I will take the kind of tried and tested version with Tom Kim now um, rather than Montgomery. Yeah, I, I agree. And... I'm going to go back to Grillo as as painful as it was <laughs> on Sunday. That triple was absolutely horrendous. Um, the chip on the green side, you know, you get a fried egg. There's nothing he could do. He kind of had to pop it out there, and he did. But then the, the chip in the next one that he completely bladed over the green looked like a 15 handicap. And concerning, concerning. But you just can't ignore what he's doing right now, and I think you just got to ride him out through the swing season. I mean, he's he was second in the field in ball striking 5.7 on approach 2.4 off the tee he's gained strokes putting in five straight events which is almost a miracle for him (laughs) yeah and i I just don't know how you can go away from here he's just playing too well so i guess the one thing is he's never played that well here so i mean when he was 34th two years ago that was his best finish he should open with a 64 to sit seventh and close with a 66 i think he's a potential candidate for just shooting the lowest round on any given day um this week I don't think he's going to win, but yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think it's going to turn around eventually. I, I actually think there's probably some better events coming up from him, which is going to see him even higher priced, and you know the odds are going to be different. Um, but there might just be the field strength might take that way. Like, I'm thinking like kind of Maya Cobra and things like that down the way. Like, can he? He'll probably be the favourite. Yeah, and, and that's the problem, right? So you might need to take what could actually look like a discount in this full season uh, on Emiliano Grillo uh, whilst Cantley, Homer and San GM make so much appeal. Yeah, I um, I bet him at 50-1 to 1 and not like you. I don't necessarily think he's 
going to win, but I think 50 to one in this field. I mean, look at the drafting prices. He's the sixth, seventh highest price guy. Most of those guys are in the 28 to 30 to one range. So I thought 50 is a pretty good price. And, um, you know, I, I just think he can contend. Can he do it on Sunday? I don't know, but he's good enough and he's hot enough. And he's, just, he's a heat check guy. Like, so the course form, I just think he's the type of guy who gets into form and gets hot for four or five, six weeks at a time. And I think he's in one of those. Yeah, like you look and like the last few years, he hasn't been at his best when he's played here. Like it's simple as that. Um, it's interesting you mentioned the sort of 50 to 1. Like everyone around him in the betting market has those same issues, right? It's not like any of them are. Like you can't look at the 50 to 1 range and go, like, oh, he's a really solid winner. He just happens to be, uh, you know, down in price because of his current form. I guess maybe C. Wu or someone like that. But like you've got Pendrith, Riley, Cameron Davis, Brian Harmon. Like. Noran, oh my god, Noran was so bad at Dunhill Links. Like they're the same guys, Denny McCarthy, like all these people that are in the same price range as him. You you, you look at it, maybe Siwoo Kim and recently JT Poston, but otherwise, like the fifty to one is just littered with people, Telman Steetree, same guys that just they're all fifty to one for a reason. They're all talented enough to win, but all have their problems doing it. Right, absolutely right. Um Anyone else in the 9K that kind of stood out to you? Like, do we go to, to Davis or Noron of that list of people we just said? I don't love the course fit for Davis. Um, I, I just doesn't fit the mold of the guys who have really succeeded here. Um, I also just feel like he's he's burning out a bit. Yep, like, I do too. I think he's, he's kind of peaked at like sort of at home and potentially like career year. Like, I think Davis obviously hasn't had a career year because he hasn't won, but like got to that President's Cup team somehow. Um, maybe a bit fortunately when you look at it, but like I think that's probably enough for him. Like he might just check out for the rest of the year. Um, and Noran, I can't back Noran after watching what he done at the Dunhill Links. If he wins, he wins. Um, fine. Like he was, he missed like three putts from three feet. Um, and he he has a, enough trouble over here. Like I don't need to kind of add in what I saw last week as well. Uh, yeah, not for me. I like. Uh, I agree with all those things you just said. Um, I never really play Noren. I'm not going to. I am going to play uh, Tom Hoagie. Is, is it Tom Hoagie that loves going gambling? Yes, I think yeah. <laughs> Which the that's the only thing that concerns me. That is true. He must have been here for two weeks because he didn't play last week. But um, hopefully he got his gambling out last week because he was 12th at the Fortnet and gained 4.3 in approach. He was 10th at the Tour Championship. He's starting to play really well. And he reminds me a lot of Straka last week. He has better course history, but he's like the solid veteran who won, you know, in the last couple of years, who no one's really, he's not a sexy pick, but if he gets in the mix, he can get it done. Um, I think he's kind of a sneaky little play this week. Yeah, I like Tom Hoagie. I think that, I mean, like joking aside about the gambling thing, like he, he, um, you know, just hits fairways, greens, pummels it, can get a hot putter. And that's all he needs to do. Like as much as I'm talking about the tees, green, the memorial, that sort of stuff, it's, because it's wide open and the rough isn't that penal, people don't think you need to hit the fairways, but I think it's so advantageous to do it, as you've sort of alluded to earlier on, uh, talking about kind of um, Tom Kim. And he's that guy, right? Like, he just, he's laser approached, just hits those fairways and greens when he's at his best. Putter was an issue before, seems to have figured it out. Now he's won. Um, still always going to hold him back a little bit. Uh, you know, these type of players don't just suddenly become machines at putting overnight, but... Yeah, nine K. I think, I think if you're looking to pair Cantlay or Sung Jm, like he would be a really good way to start that. Yeah, a lot of people are going to go um, one of those guys with Wise, um, Tom, uh, Grillo, Davis. Those seems. I think those guys going to get a lot, of, a lot of love. Hoagie last, and he's a little bit. He feels expensive at nine K, and I think that's a good thing for this scenario. I also yeah, better put people off. Yeah, like. It should put people off, and, and that's great, right? But, like, it leaves you with a touch over basically nearly 7,500 for your next four picks. Like, that's really solid in a field where you're going to be able to get down and, and pick some lower-priced players. Won't go one by one in the 8K range, um, but who stood out to you as, as the pick of the bunch? I didn't love this range. Um, it seems like these guys all have issues that i that i'm not really into riley's not really one of my guys i don't play him and it's real worked out so far pendrith i don't love the course fit um i don't mind siwoo i i think uh coming off the president's cup we did see a lot of guys in 2019 kind of after the president's cup start to win hmm. um after the president's cup i don't know if that's a coincidence or not um honestly honestly I, I don't like the range and i'm i'm probably going low nines to high eight high sevens i might skip this range entirely 
I do like Siwoo though. Like I think I think four out of five made cuts here. An eighth place finish is best effort. Fifteenth uh, well as well. He opened uh, with sixty six that week. Like it strikes me as a course that he can do it on. Like he gets pigeonholed in this kind of um, you know the, the type of courses that he does it on, right? But um, it, to me, I just I just think he can do it anywhere. Like I think he ultimately can. Uh, I think he made plenty of birdies, and that's what you need to do here. I think Burmis is the same sort of thing. Like he can just make a ton of birdies. Um, I think it's too easy to go back to him, and, and that might catch people out. Um, so I'm going to leave it. I'm interested what JT Poston does. I didn't know that he was on his bachelor party or whatever it was last last week, which is why he was absolute dog shit for me. Um, and I bet him at like 25 to one. Um, but he's got a fourth place finish here in the past and a 27th place finish as well. Um, either side of some really bad missed cuts, but he's gone from like 28 to one or 25 to one in the betting to 50 to one, uh, 66 to one even some places. And now all of a sudden he's down to eight three. I think he's a decent person to put in your lineups. Yeah, I'm. I was off him last week, and I'm fine being off him again. I just, I'm not a. I just think of him as you know, uh, Bermuda type of type of guy, and um, which is kind of what he's done a lot of. You said he has good finishes here, which I didn't really know. Um, but I think it, for you, if you you liked him last week at 25. I mean, it's hard. How do you not go back to him this the, week? This is my thing. Like, I don't necessarily. Like, when I thought about this event, don't think of JT Poston at all. And and four out of six missed cuts to suggest why. But the two times he's you know finished he's finished fourth and 27th like and when he was fourth he you know shot a fine around 66 to climb up from 10th so he's already in position really anyway but then when he was 27th he opened 67 66 66 and that was only good enough to sit 19th and so he obviously tries to press too hard on the final day and finished you know 27th like in good form the fact that the the, the altitude kind of cuts down the the length of this golf course i do think um jc poston can play well you look at it, you start like Patrick Cantley, Tom Hoagie, JC Post, and leave yourself 7,200 with three guys. Like, I don't think that's a bad position to be in. No, no, it isn't. Uh, and along that same line, like if you have been playing McCarthy and Betty McCarthy, yeah, I think this is a place. I don't do it, and I'm not going to do it, and I'm never going to do it. When he wins his first his first event, I'm going to be nowhere near it, and congrats to everybody who who's there. But um, this is a place, I think, you know, you can win a putting contest here. That that it can turn into that. We saw Na gain 14 strokes putting here. We saw Cantlay gain a bunch of strokes putting here. Um, so I think it's possible to do that. So I think if you've been on him, this is a place you might want to stick with him. Yeah, I mean the ball striking numbers there just not for me to to really get excited about. As you say, if he does it, he does it. Um, but yeah, to your point, like if if you're gonna do it anywhere, then it's gonna be here. Um, <sighs> I did look at Keith Mitchell just because a name that keeps popping into my head but didn't really get there in the end. So it took me to the seven Ks like you. I love Ricky Fowler this week. I, I really do love Ricky Fowler. Um I think he's swallowed a little bit of pride, gone back to Butch Harmon, um, which, you know, whatever people think about Butch Harmon, like he just seems to get people playing better again. Uh, he's dumped his caddy. Whether that's a good thing or not, we'll we'll know in six months' time. But sixth at the Fortinet, straight away. Um even when he missed the cut the last two years, he shot 67 in one of the rounds and 66 in the other. Like, so he's still playing the golf course well. Four for four, four for four for made cuts here before those two missed cuts. He finished seventh on debut and fourth in 2018. Two more top 25s. You talk about a guy that can get hot with his putter. That is Ricky Fowler, and he has that ball striking prowess to match it. We talked about the Memorial, and he was the real reason I kind of sort of come up with this. He's got two runner-up finishes there could be coincidental like at that time he was just one of the best players in the world he was in a strong field and coming back to this one as well but i really like uh ricky fowler at seven eight i'm with you i, th- I think it's a i think it's a good play um you know it'd be one thing if he just started working with butch again and we were kind of speculating on that whether or not he's playing well and then it would be another thing if he finished sixth at the at the fortinet and i think the the thing is that it's the combination of both of those things and it seems to be linked and the fact that there might be the correlation between him kind of getting back to his roots and what he, you know, what he used to do well with the fact that he actually finished well and actually gained strokes on approach for the first time in what seems like forever, I think is a enough of a glimmer of hope to where we might think that it's based on something and not just false hope. So I do think going back to him is a, is a pretty good spot. Like a couple of times, like, was it CJ Cup last year or whatever that he, he should have, like, he was right in there with a chance to win. Like, and it felt a bit false. Like even his swing looked a little bit off and he didn't, didn't look confident over the ball at all 
if he's back, and we'll find out this week, I think, because if, if he plays what like, because he's never like even really contended for a victory here. But if he gets himself in the top five, top ten, uh, makes a ton of birdies like we know he can, then I would say right that there's a definitive change in him. Um, if he doesn't, then then maybe it was a you know a full storm. But I still think you could probably give it until the end of 2022 to find out whether those Butch Harmon changes are really going to bed in. Yeah, now or never. This is time. Should I get off the pot, Rick? Do Do you think? If he gets back to basics and what he did well before, do you think he can be a top 10 player in the world again? It's a good question because he never really had like the skill set that you see so many of these top 10 players in the world have. It was always kind of like, you know, just hit fairways. He's a little short for today's game. Um, and it was just a lot of a lot of it was with the putter. And um, he really hasn't been that great of a putter. Does he, does he need, is it Jordan Spieth type? Yeah, just a light, I guess. Like obviously, Jordan Spieth won a bunch of majors, but Ricky, I think people, he was obviously overhyped at the time, and now I almost feel like people have quickly forgotten just how good he really was. Like I know mm-hmm. it was, I know what you're saying. Like it, it wasn't um, driven by what you would like to see these days, but like, I mean, man, he he was he was top draw for a long time. Yeah, top, second runner up at all four majors in one year, wasn't he? He's like top five, wasn't he? Or something like yeah, so unbelievable. I mean, yeah, in, if you won in Phoenix, right, West Coast, a three-hour drive from Vegas. I like it. I, I'm, it's a little bit Jimmy Walker of me last week where I just get convinced that it's going to happen, and, <laughs> and we know what happened with Jimmy Walker last week. But Ricky Fowler, there was a bit more substance to Ricky Fowler's um, than, than maybe Jimmy Walker's was. You mentioned Mito to me earlier in, in uh, on the direct messages. Still sticking with that? Yeah, I think I'm going to. Um, I th- saw a 66 to one that I thought was similar to Ricky. You know, not exactly the same, but similar in the vein of. I'm not sure if he's back, but if he is, I think this is a nice buy low opportunity. I mean, last year I think he was like 28 to one in in the very similar field, and um, so it's a really buy low opportunity both on DraftKings and betting. And he's typically good in bent grass. You know, those Chileans like to putt on bent grass a lot better. Um, we I talked about the Presidents Cup correlation of guys playing well after that event's ended. Um, he didn't play all that much in it, which I think is probably a good thing. We saw that a little bit from Cebes last week, who started off really well. Um, I think it's I think it's just a nice buy low spot. Uh, go back to him. Yeah, I think so too. I think if you look at what people need, I mean, I'd be a little bit worried about the putter, of course, but I think you can basically say that about the whole field, right? I don't think there's anyone that you go, you know, even Patrick Cantlay, you think I oh, have the putter could let him down. Like it's just as simple as that, right? It's it, it's very very hard to predict who's going to get the really hot butter and that's why we see some of the winners that we do see here and i think i think people look at the shriners and even with my betting and things like that like it suggests that a long shot is very likely to win and it's because we've seen rod pampling martin laird smiley kaufman ben martin over the years but we've also seen sung jay kevin nar bryson patrick canley webb simpson like generally speaking that the cream does rise i mean sung jay won by four strokes in the end obviously matthew wolf and Schenk not really giving much on the final day. Webb Simpson won by six strokes. So when the very best get here, they can kind of stretch away, I think. They, they can. And I also think, like, a lot of those guys, you could kind of see it coming. I mean, Nas been excellent on the West Coast. He does a similar skill set. Martin Laird's been excellent on the West Coast. Uh, has played Phoenix well. Has uh, California, Vegas. Like, back to Ricky again. He's kind of done some those types of similar things. Um so I do think, you know, even though it's been somewhat long shots, but they have been, I think, a little bit predictable. And that gets right to my next guy, Cooch, who's had a lot of uh, success in kind of that that area of the country. Um, similar skill set. He hits fairways. He's uh, actually gained strokes and approach last um, at the Fortinet. He finished 12th. He was great. He was within three on Sunday. I thought my outright uh, had a chance. And now he's coming back at that same number, 75 to one, similar DraftKings price. Uh, I see no reason not to go back to him. Yeah, you look at Cooch, uh, he was second in 2008, and it took Martinessa, I think that's how you pronounce his name, to have the best score to par over 72 holes with 25 under. So there was an event, it was 90 holes before this event, um, and there was obviously some 31 under par scores, But and even since then, like the aggregate score of 260 is, is bettered what uh, Tanessa did there, but at the time, that was the score to par was the lowest one. So really, Cooch did everything he could to win that event. Uh, he continues to keep pedaling out good finishes. Really weird. He finished second that year, finished seventh the following year. And I don't know if he just went, do you know what? Fuck it. Like, I, I've i done it twice now and, and can't win. Um, 
didn't play then, for 10 years, right? Didn't play, yeah, didn't play until like 2018. Like, seems pretty wild. And he's only finished 57th, 34th, and 35th since. I worry that he probably can't go low enough to win it. Um, but I certainly think he can top 20. Yeah, um, I think that's the case. But, you know, if you look at his, you know, some of his wins throughout his career, and he's still relatively young. I mean, he's probably the same age as, as Martin Laird. But um, if you look at when he won, I think Sony. Um, was that his last win, Sony? Um, yes, 2019. That, what was the winning score there? That? 22 under. That was the same winning score he had at the mic over the, the year before. Yeah, so, so actually, I, his two deepest, of, two deepest wins, 22 under, both the last two wins. So yeah. actually, it might be that, to your point that you were going to make there before I cut you off, like maybe that is just what he's turned into, that he can shoot low scores. Like Singapore Open in 2020 on the Japan Tour beats Justin Rose by three strokes to win 18 under par. Like maybe he's turned into it. I, I don't know. Um, tough. It's a tough one. I just feel that he won't get there in terms of contending and winning. But I think 8th, 9th, 11th, 13th, those range of outcomes are pretty good for him. Mm-hmm. Which would be good enough. That, that's absolutely fine. Um, I always feel like um, KH Lee is going to turn up at this sort of event. I was surprised he hasn't played really well here. It, may, it does make sense. Um, President's Cup angle, I've been saying. But also, I looked at the Data Golf's um, course correlation tool, which gives you the course that this is the most similar to in terms of outcomes and everything. And the first one was TPC San Antonio. So. That was a little bit interesting. Um, was Phoenix up there as well? I didn't see Phoenix there, um, and I, I think mm-hmm. I exed out of it. But I, I'm gonna look at it, at it again. I'll send it to you later. It always yeah. is a little interesting to look at. So he was 14th here last year. Shot a second round 64 and a final round 66. Just, just feels like KH Lee is a type of person. Like I wouldn't necessarily bet him, although I might just have a look at his number in a bit just to see what what price he's actually at because didn't, he didn't really catch my eye. So he was he's between 50 and 80 to one. Um, I like actually. I think he goes low in these sort of events. Um, I wanted to try Lucas Herbert, but I don't think this is his sort of event. I think the scoring will get away. We talk about whether he gets away from Matt Kuchar. I think he definitely gets away from Lucas Herbert. I agree. I looked at him um, briefly too, and I, I feel the same way. Uh, not 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 the ideal place. And plus, he gets a little loose off the tee, which I, I don't really like here. Which both him and Kitayama, I think, very much similar players, yep. like could uh, fit under that same thing. Matthew Neesmith is going to get some love um, because he's played the course well, but I won't be going there. Justin Sir did actually finish eighth here last year. I Again, just he's not been good since he came on the PJ Tour. You did warn me that might potentially happen. Andrew Putnam for me, 7,300. Um, I get the feeling that he will be reasonably popular just because he's made those six straight cuts, but I don't think necessarily that people are going to dive into it as much as we... You know, as much as you can, really. And he was, he's was he been no worse than 43rd in this span. So the 43rd came at the 40 net, but he came back 30th last um, last week. He was third after day one, 15th going into the final day, and just didn't have enough on uh, Friday and Sunday to kind of finish any higher. Four of five cuts here. He was 11th place last year, which is the best that he's ever been. Uh, he improved round on round uh, and was going into the final day in third place and two strokes back of... Um, Adam Schenk, I think it was, who was leading. Um, was it Schenk? I can't remember who it was now that was leading, but someone else was leading, and he was two strokes behind. He was also the 36-hole leader here on debut. Um, so he's now been you know, the 36-hole leader and within two after 54 holes. Ball striking is really solid um, in that run of form. I really, really like Andrew Putnam at 7-3. Yeah, you, you read my mind. Um, we've both been on him a lot, so I, I'm not too surprised. But yesterday I was writing some notes down for as I was watching the final round um, and he was the first guy I wrote down and similar to what you just said I wrote 18th in 2019 11th in 2021 67 64 66 last year before that difficult final round um, been playing really well was in the mix last week a little bit um, course fit wise I really like it he's a, he played some really really good golf on the west coast throughout his career um, I think I saw 90 to 1 somewhere which I thought was pretty good yeah um, I'm, I'm with you completely yeah, I just think he's. I just think he's. I actually think he's really obvious, which is never normally a great thing at seven three. But like, I don't want to just get away from that. I do really like him. Um, was there anyone else that kind of caught your eye above that? No. 
No, I mean you got guys. Hubbard obviously played well last week until he's slow as shit. Oh my god! <laughs> did you did you watch that on Sunday? I didn't. I didn't. I was kind of in and out of it. I was he watching. was so slow, like taking ten minutes to read his putt, walking around. Like they were like two or three holes behind. I couldn't believe they didn't get put on the put on the clock. He was so that, slow too. That's clearly nerves for him, right? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think he's ready to win, but I do think he's. I mean, he was the first round leader here way back when. Um, never really done too much since. So I'm not not ready to jump straight into him, but interesting to note. Then you've got these kind of other players that, that can go low. Like you've got Kevin Streelman there. You've got the Troy Merritts. You've got Chris Kirks, Nick Taylors. Like they can all go low on any given day. Then you've just got Martin Laird, who's two-time winner, uh, lost in the playoff as well. Do we put Martin Laird in? Good question. Uh, I don't think many people want to go back to him, right? It's not a sexy pick, but um, he's been pretty shit really for, <laughs> for for a long time but he but he that is him though like it's that's not out of character that like he i know he's been generally pretty awful but like it's not a guy that you ever look and go right he's finished 11th 9th 7th win he he is just like i mean i'm gonna come on to one later as well he's exactly the same like He's very, very difficult to predict, apart from where he's obvious to predict. And this and he's, is he's great here, right? Like, and like you said, last year, miscut, 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 11th here. So there you go. Yeah, I, I think you probably should play him then. Like, first, second, and first here. What, what I mean, what, what do we need to do? And one of those was a playoff loss. He was a first-round leader when he finished 18th. Um, he's just always in the mix. And isn't it Phoenix as well where he plays well? Yep. Phoenix. Texas, like all those types of events. Like PC. Ricky, Phoenix. Yeah, seems to go back uh, to the same places all the time as well. Um, I, I just I just think he's too, like, especially betting-wise, he's like 100 to 1. I'm just like, well, this is a guy that you know can win on this golf course. He's done it twice, should have done it three times. Um, Imagine this as again. That would be fun. It, it would be fun. I mean, I, I, I would definitely find it fun at 100 to 1. Um, closing out the 7K range. Russell Knox has appealed to me twice now in two weeks, uh, and I haven't really got there either time convincingly, but seems to be sneaking up on me that he could do something. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but if you're looking for a guy who can max out at finishing 24th, then he's probably <laughs> your guy. And at that price, sure. Um, it's, Wait, it's when, not... Did he finish exactly in exactly the same position for like three weeks in a row? I think we made a yes, joke about yeah, finishing 31st for the third week in a row, whatever it no, was. It was 33rd. Pebble, Phoenix, and Genesis. All West Coast, though. I mean, I guess 33rd is okay. Yeah, he doesn't have the ceiling for me. I don't trust his ability to make birdies, especially. I mean, I like him when it's windy, cold, wet, um, lower and uh, di- more difficult scoring. So when he was 13th here on his debut, he was 6th after 54 holes. When he was 30th the following year, he was 5th after 54 holes. Then he finished 3rd when he was the 36th hole leader. Now, bear in mind, this was probably Russell Knox at his pomp, right? Like, I think he won a WGC in that time. Um, but even when he was 48th in 2019, he was 15th after three rounds. Uh, shot a 65 on the Saturday to work his way up. Last two years, he's missed the cut, but he shot a 67 uh, in round two in 2020 as well. So I just think there's something about Russell Knox that suggests he could uh, could eclipse his 7,100 price tag. Yeah, and at 7,100, if he does come in 25th, you're okay. Yeah. Hayden Buckley's going to be popular at 71, I think. Playing great. Backdoor to top 20 there for me uh, last week. Um, I don't know. For me, I like him better on a, on a course you can really air it out i'm looking for more accuracy guys here and i and i often get pigeonholed into these i like skill sets and he's not the one i'm really looking for if you're looking for skill sets in terms of accuracy uh another guy that kind of popped up again last week grayson sig yeah the one thing about him is for me like i picture him as just an sec guy at mississippi that was right in his wheelhouse um i should have really realized it before the tournament started but i didn't um but for me, it's like a you know a country. Is he too short off the tee? I don't think you can be too short here because look at the guys who have com- competed. And I think, like, is he is is Kevin Na much longer than him? Probably not. Probably but he's takes, better at everything else. You know, probably right? takes longer strides than him. Um, but yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, you've got very different skill sets now. Like him, you got him next to Callum Taran and Cam Champ at seven k as well. Like, there, Callum Taran, I think is gonna be clicked. I think. Yeah, he he definitely could be. Um, I was looking at Brendan Todd. Yeah. I don't know where where what is his price? I kind of sixty nine hundred. Okay, well we're close enough. I like. Let's I like get into these six k's now. Yeah, he um. He was really, really good two weeks ago at the Fortnite. He had the second best, I think, like approach week of his career, which was which was crazy. And then last week he struggled. But you know, I talked about last week. I thought it was really important to be able to hit it long off the tee. He doesn't do that. He he was really struggled off the tee. I think coming here would be a, a place where maybe he's he's a lot more comfortable. Um, I think he has some pretty good history here. Puts it really well in bent grass. I thought he was more of a profile I was kind of looking for. So he's finished 12th and they had three miscuts. So he's, when he's made the week. Interesting, there's quite a few people like that that like have missed cuts, but then when they've made the weekend, just play really well. Like Jay Z Poston earlier, like made, like missed four cuts, but finished like fourth and 17th or whatever. Like it's, it seems to be, you don't necessarily see many guys that go, you know, back to back with really good finishes, but there are some that can kind of flash multiple times. Yeah, I think that's that's probably it. And we, we don't. I don't. I think like last week, you know, with the Straka thing, like we can look at it, but we can't read too much into it. I think it's just one of those ones where like it's such an easy course that if you're just in form, you can flash that week. So mm-hmm. just look for those guys, I guess. Um, which exactly. seems a pretty pretty obvious. You can click that one later. If good guys will play good golf when they're in form. Um, Matt Wallace played well here last year. I, I've kind of given up on Matt Wallace again, but right underneath him, sixty-eight hundred. Uh, I'm going with James Hahn. Oh. The, 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 assassin. the, the assassin, James Hahn. I like um, hopefully no one comes in with a pack of crisps around him. Um, but he has a decent record here. 15th and 28th finishes amongst his efforts. Um, he's ranked 9th and 2nd in strokes gain approach in his past two starts. Uh, so he's been hitting the ball well. Even when he was 61st at the FedEx St. Jude, he was 8th after round 1 and 17th at halfway. And then again at the Fortinet, basically the same, 16th at halfway before falling to 51st. Clearly struggling to put four rounds together, but that's probably the you know the story of James Hahn's career, right? But when you're striking the iron so well, um, we talk about a guy that likes Phoenix. We talk about a guy that you know has won on the West Coast. I think James Hahn. I mean, betting wise, he's like 160 to one. I thought was great value. Um, and down here at 6800, like I think he can. He can. I actually think he can win. Yeah, and if you remember, I was all over him at the Fortnite. Yeah. Um, for all the same reasons you just said, you know, exact same thing because it's the West Coast, um, and the approach was awesome. He lost six strokes around the green. I don't even know how the fuck that's possible. <laughs> I think he chipped it, like, from one side of the green into the water, and I think that kind of hurt him. Um, when he was – I remember going to the weekend, I thought he might have had a chance uh, to at least catch me a top ten or get in the mix somehow. And I do think he has win equity when he does get in the mix. Um, I liked, Yeah, I like the play. He strikes me as someone that will just stick around and just keep making birdies. Like it was like even at Phoenix, I know he, he obviously gave it away when he, he hit the front, but he was pushing right away, like until the Brooks and the Zanders and all that came along, right? Um, if you've been, this is this is along the same lines of JT Poston. If you've been a Chris Gotterup guy, he's now coming down here at sixty-eight hundred. I don't think it's, I don't I don't really know what's a good course for him. Uh, I don't really know. Chris Gotterup, I think anyone that pretends to know what Chris Gotterup's like is is kind of kidding themselves a little bit because the sample size is so small. But you look at the John Deere Classic where he peaked at uh, fourth place, he shot 17 under. So maybe this birdie fest is kind of where he needs to go. It could be. Uh, yeah, like I'm, I haven't been playing them, so I'm, I'm, I'm fine to not play them again. Uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not really interested. He, he just think. fits in that mold, I think, of if you've been playing him, you should play him here. Yeah, sure. Yep. Um, Fratelli played okay last week after we were saying that he had the skill set and we just didn't trust him, right? Um, mm-hmm. he, he was there. Is Does that translate to this golf course? I don't know. Um, what's he been like around here? Miscut, 34th miscut. Um, that kind of tracks with... If you looked at Dylan Fratelli's career on any golf course, it's probably miscut, 34th miscut. Um, he's just that type of guy, isn't he? So uh, not one to get too excited about. Anyone else in this kind of 6K range you really wanted to focus on? There's no one I really liked. I really like those lower sevens we talked about. I like Todd at 6,900. Um, I mean, that's really it for me. I, I typically like these, this area a little bit more. I'm not a huge... I mean, Ryan Moore, I like the skill set. He hasn't really been doing it much lately. Um, 
Yim is a guy who who seems like he could make sense here, but he's not been playing well. So it's just a bunch of guys who aren't playing well. Yeah, I feel like I had I had someone clicked here, and I'm just trying to find it again. I mean, Harry Hall is going to get his uh, backers because he was eighth here last year and is on that UNLV team, same as Garrett Higo, same as Taylor Montgomery. Uh, so they'll be popular. Um, Augusto Nunez has been playing pretty well. Yeah, he's another guy. Um, the other one that I thought about was Vincent Norman at 6,500. Like, I think he's the type of guy that can make a bunch of birdies. I just don't know if he's quite accurate enough to, to take advantage. But Can't putt either. No, that's probably true. There's definitely someone that I like down here, and it's kind of like 63, 64. I'm just trying to figure out who it was. But Is it Jimmy Walker? <laughs> Not again. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely get duped by him at some point soon, but... I mean, he's got 10th, 12th, 4th, and 24th place in inches here. I mean, he's pretty good. Um, was it Shank? It probably was Shank. Like, I think Shank's pretty cheap for, for what he is. Like, it's, although he obviously peaked with a third place finish and, you know, arguably should have won last year, he's finished 20th, 18th, and 27th in four of his five stars as well. Yeah. Um, Chez is a guy who's had a lot of West Coast success, right? Yeah, I like Chez. I think you, you think about Phoenix again. Like, I think he's... The ball striking has left him a little bit, whereas it was hot sort of ending the season. But he's a guy that can find it again. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I have. The rest would be forcing it. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily want to look. I think uh, Michael Thompson had a bit of a comeback of his irons um, at some point. But, yeah, not not for me. Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. I don't want to get too uh, too much in the trenches here because I don't think you need to. I think you can construct your lineup smartly, even with those top guys. Uh, where you don't have to go too hard in this range. Yep. So we're we happy to kind of summarize there? Yeah. So let's go into this sort of 10K plus range then. So is it Sung JM for you of the three? Um, I'm I'm going to lean Cantley over him. Okay. Um, I want to play Max just because I think it feels a little bit Sepp Strackery from last week, but the course form will put people off and actually the skill sets are there. Uh, so I'm going to go with Max, which is going to be a bit of a strange decision of those three. 9k I'm going Tom I think you have to I think I think it just makes too much sense um, I would lean Taylor Montgomery but I think it's going to be a final round uh, flash more than anything uh, 8k I'm going to give you just Hoagie at 9 flat because I, I don't think I'm going to dip too much into the into the 8s yeah I, I don't think there's one that I love I actually think I'd rather go to Ricky Fowler at 7-8 than actually take someone in the 8k range so I'll start the 7k's at uh, Ricky Fowler, and I will give another one in that range as well. And I think it's gonna be Andrew Putnam at seven three. Mine, yeah, mine was gonna be Putnam at seven three as well. And I'm gonna go Mito. I'll go Mito and Cooch. I like uh, I like a lot. I'm gonna go. Um, let's go. Let's go Mito seventy eight, and I'm I'm with you on Putnam at seventy three. I think KH Lee can be sprinkled in now. I'm I'm warming to him as this kind of podcast goes on. There's always one guy that I talk myself into when I'm chatting to you, and you might not even say anything. I just kind of <laughs> look at you through the screen there and go, oh yeah, this guy makes sense. I can um, see it. <laughs> 6K range. Let's have a couple from there. Um, Todd is going to be my top, uh, my higher end guy. Yeah. And I'll think about it while you give me yours. Yeah, I'm going to go with James Hahn at 68. Um, I think he takes Schenker at 65. I think it's. I think it's something if you're, if you're desperate to get down to that point he's made his last couple of cuts like I think Adam Schenk is okay or he missed he made his last couple of cuts before missing last weekend pretty much every guy down here is coming off like three straight missed cuts yeah and I, I just think it's I think it is one of those golf courses that you can just find it because you go for like you think about like Napa and it's like it's its own type of course and you go to Sanderson Farm it can get a little bit tough off the tee like it just comes to this and it feels like a break. Like, oh, this is, I know this place. I know the the kind of air. I know the, the, the fairways are wide, but I need to hit them. Like, I think it's a break for some people. It, it could be. Um, Ryan Armour finished 13th last week, and I think this skill set, um, his skill set would work for, for this place. I don't know how he's done here in the past. He's got a 20th a tw- and a 66th either side of, like, four missed cuts. But that's just Ryan Armour. Like, I think he can peak anywhere, right? Yeah, so maybe him, I guess, if you're looking for a higher ceiling type of play. There's just one guy that I've just, just caught my eye uh, coming off of back-to-back miscuts, which is what we've kind of got accustomed to at this range. Is Robert Streberg ever going to be good again? 
I like playing him in that. Um, he's another guy I like in that Sea Island, um, you know, Georgia, Georgia area, uh, which he obviously won RSM with a, yeah. a that clutch, clutch second shot. Because was it the CJ Cup where he went really well? Like he opened with like a sixty or sixty-one or something. It could have been, and I I, I agree with you. I think skill set wise, he's the exact type of guy I'm looking for. Like the the guys who typically I think are too short to contend. Um, I think can contend here, and I think that's you know he's one of those guys in that mold. So yeah. Twenty seventh last year, fourth in two thousand eighteen, thirty sixth in two thousand and sixteen, and tenth two years before that as well. Like. Good. I like that. He's got a miscut in between, but if Robert Streb played anywhere five times and didn't have a miscut, I'd be really surprised. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Robert Streb's interesting actually. Sixty two hundred. I'm in. That's not my favorite lowest six, six or six. I don't like anyone else. There you go, Robert Stewart. He hasn't played an awful lot of golf. From, so you look at um, before that miscut last week, he was um, 11th at the Freedom Open, 36th at the Wyndham, 51st at St Jude. Like, mm-hmm. I think cool. I was playing him around that time too. Yeah. Yeah, six, it was. It was the CJ Cup, which was in. Was that Vegas? That was Vegas, Shadow Creek, I think. Summit Club, wasn't it? Oh, it's Summit just... Club. Oh, Shadow Creek was, was Zozo. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so you had yeah 61 and a 65 that same week. So, something about Vegas, Robert Streb. Maybe he likes the old crap stable as well. Yeah. That's it. I think we're done for the Shriners. I think it's a... I actually really enjoy this event. I enjoy watching it. I don't know if it's a, the kind of time zone thing where it's on a little bit late for us, whether it's just because it's Vegas and I love Vegas. So I think that I... Aesthetically speaking, I like watching sort of the the desert golf stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really yeah, really nice aesthetic course. I think it's a kind of a, a beautiful layout. Um, I like night golf as well. I'll go to sleep to it. So yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, no, it sounds good to me, Matt. Pleasure as always. Like really enjoyed that. Um, always love to see the little grin on your face when I mention a player <laughs> that you may have already had, uh, or the uh, the grin on your face when you realise that I'm going to say something along the lines of like James Harvey and assassin or whatever. But um, yeah, no, always good. Um, we're going to have to make this a video podcast at some point. Um, because... I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day because I think um, our conversations, you can get a lot out of them ba- based on, you know, 95% of human communication is body language. So we need to get that in the video going forward. Yeah, I mean, my body language is definitely different to what I show when, you know, I'm actually on screen because at the moment I'm currently sitting in a really strange uh, hooded sweater because it's like five degrees in this room and for some reason i'm just really cold um and and my slightly balding receding hairline is is the reason i haven't made maybe made the move to video too often um but otherwise we'll uh, we'll look into that folks so if i mean interesting enough if you've got this far and you're still listening let us know if you would benefit from uh this being on video because i'm sure that's pretty something we can figure out for youtube quite easily and, and something i've always thought about absolutely yeah we want to hear from you absolutely thanks guys and uh, matt i'll catch up with you in a week all right good luck